you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. you can be seated tonight thank you so much for being here welcome to all of our guests that are here tonight one more time give them a hand thank you for being here on this Wednesday evening great job tonight by our praise team thank you for leading us tonight we're going to get into the word of the Lord I'm going to pick back up tonight where we were last week and continue I'm going to open in John uh, first John chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verse number 15, and I'm going to pick up right near where I ended last week, and um, we'll see how far we get tonight. I have started a series last week, and of course I understand that there's going to be a space here of a break um, due to the awakening. We're going to be having prayer on Wednesday nights, and then Uh, Of course, we have the Awakening Revival Conference coming up in February. Anybody excited about the Awakening Services? Amen. So we're very, very excited about what the Lord is going to do during that season of prayer. And, of course, our fasting season for some who chose to take the long route. You're already in about 10 days. And then for others, we'll be picking up for the 21-day leg of the of the Daniel's fast this Saturday. So we're looking forward to great things over the next few weeks. But tonight, let's get into the word of the Lord, 1 John chapter 2, and verse number 15. I read this last Wednesday night, and I'm going to read it again and start here as we move forward. John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for if any man... Love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Did you get that? Those things are of the world, the things we're told not to love. And the world passeth away. So all those things that we can easily fall in love with, that we're warned against falling in love with, those things will fade out of our life. Those things, uh, those things will, will, go, will go away. That is, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those things, all sin, all sin can be categorized in those three 
in those three elements. They all come, if you take all sin and package it, you're going to package it down into a a three-compartment package. And it is going to be the lust of the world, it is going to be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are all the things that are in the world. Those things that the world lusts after, the things that are of the world, they are the things that are going to pass away. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth, everybody say doeth. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So the only thing that is going to stand is he that doeth the will of God. So the only way. Now, we all understand that none of us are going to live forever in this present world. We get that. None of us are going to live forever in this present world. It is appointed unto man once to die. So if we don't go by way of the rapture, we all will go by way of the grave. And so we understand that all the things that we love, we are not to love the things that are in the world. I want you to say the word love with me. How many times have you already said it today? I love that. I love you. I'd love to do that. We use the word love so freely. Here the Bible is talking about loving the world. The Bible puts great emphasis on the things that we treasure. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So there, is a, there was a specific, the Bible makes no mistakes. Every word in the Bible carries significance. It is there intentionally. The Word of God is very intentional. Every piece of the Word of God is part of the tapestry of the great story of the redemption, the fall of man and the redemption of man all by the mercy and grace and blood of Jesus Christ. So the Bible puts great emphasis on the things that we love. Love not the world. That word love there um, would properly be translated uh, to uh, the English term of treasure. Understand in the Bible, the Bible was not written in English. And of course we take the word of God and we, in the translation, sometimes you have to say an entire sentence to be able to just get one thought or one meaning that is from the original language. And so the word love, of course, translates in the Bible to several different meanings. Here it is speaking of treasure, the things that we treasure, the things we hold dear to us. And the scripture here is telling us, don't fall in love. Don't treasure the things of the world. Don't, lo- don't treasure the world nor the things that are in the world. So there is a distinction here between the two. There is a distinction between the world and the things that are in the world. So there is a connection. Both of those are going to pass away. Both of those are going to fade away. And we're told not to fall in love with the world are the things that are in the world. So when the Bible talks about the world, evidently it is speaking of the ideals or the ideology of the world. So love not the world. Don't fall in love with the culture in which you live. 
Don't fall in love with, with all of the, the, the ideals of this present day. Uh, don't, don't get wrapped up in it. Don't get caught up with it. Things you love are things that will, that will lead to your passion. They're things that will draw passion out of you because you love it. If you love something, you become passionate about it. Uh, you, you, you care deeply about it. You will work for it, strive for it, pay for it, put energy into it. Uh, hobbies will be practiced. You, 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 it's the things that you love will, will cause you to, to spend your energies and your time and, and your effort, your mind will rest upon those things. This is what the Bible is telling us, the, the attachments, the attachments of this world. I, can I pause for a moment to say that I fear that we have perhaps somehow moved into a time, even in the church, to where we have began to put such emphasis on the blessings of God here and the hope here and the word of God for the here and the now. Uh, we, we live in a day of prophets and prophecies and uh, maybe even more than we read in the Bible. Uh, everybody's looking for that word and that prophecy and they're seeking it. They're, they're wanting to get that get a hold of something that they can cling to. That's, that's what it is. We're looking for something to cling to. I understand there's nothing wrong with that. The best thing we can do is get in the word of the Lord and read what the Lord has left us and cling to it. Because if we're not careful, we will begin to cling to things such as I, I want the prophet of God to come. I want the man of God to get up and preach. And when I come and give in the offering, I want him to, to declare that the blessings of the Lord are going to fall on me. Well, I can because the word of the Lord tells me that, that the blessings of the Lord are going to follow you for your giving. So I can tell you some of those things that I can find in the word of the Lord, but we have gotten so enamored with the blessings of here and the blessings of now. We want to be healthy. We want to be wealthy. We want to be wise. We, and so from this, from this comes some key things that we have a tendency to try to grab a hold of and cling to, and we fall in love with them if we're not careful. I will talk to you about tonight three things that I mentioned last week. I'm going to spend a little more time. I was drawing to a close as I mentioned them in my closing last Wednesday night. But the Bible puts great emphasis on the things that we treasure and that we cling to and that we put our energies and efforts toward. And uh, it tells us not to love those things. Don't fall in love with those things. And the first thing I want to talk to you about tonight is money. Money is one of those things. There's three things I'm going to bring out that are so connected to this world. Uh, you, there's nobody going to take any money out of this world. Uh, and this idea of taking things with us, having and uh, wanting more, uh, is not something new. This, is, this was from, uh, go, go back and uh, I've been to the pyramids and, uh, from, that were built in ancient Egypt. And there in those pyramids are the graves of some of the great kings and, and pharaohs and the people, the great leaders and people with much, much money and wealth and they buried them and they buried them with 
their treasure because they believed that in their afterlife that they were going to need that treasure and that was going to allow them to rule and to reign and somebody smarter than the Pharaoh went in and robbed. They raided the tombs. They raided the pyramids. They took them. Some of those items have been found and discovered and put into museums and they've written about them. Many of them were raided and taken and and the wealth that they thought they were going to take with them to the afterlife is no longer there. And even it was rather strange to me as we took a trip down into those pyramids and uh, went in, in, in the tour. And you go down and they, they're showing you everything in this and you recognize we talk about the pyramids. But actually this is a grave. I'm inside someone's tomb. And everything that belonged to him that, or her that was put there, it's all been taken away. There's nothing here. And as a matter of fact, normally when they find them, they remove even, even the bones and they're put in museums and they're taken away. I mean, what kind of honor is that giving? But the reality of none of us are going to take anything with us. You can bury it in the coffin with you, but you're not going to take it with you. And so the idea of money was so important in Scripture that the Bible even tells us that the love, and this is what it's talking about, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And so when the Scripture in the New Testament teaches us that the love of money is the root of all evil, there is a connection there because we're told, don't treasure money. Don't spend all of your life seeking money. Don't spend all of your time. There's nothing wrong with you having, with you having things. We all have to have money to live. It's how we trade. It's how we survive. And that goes back all the way to Bible times. It wasn't about you having money. It's not about you being able to be ahead and 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 have a little nest egg to be able to fall back on in retirement years so you can enjoy it. I, I'm not preaching against those things. I don't think I have any Bible to preach against any of those things. But I can tell you that when we fall in love with money, this is what the Bible is beginning to tell us. Be careful about treasuring money to the point that money is the purpose of our living. Love not the world. Love not money. There is a spirit of mammon. It is a spirit of greed because these things that I'm talking about have spirits attached to them. Money or mammon is speaking of the spirit of greed. It is the love of money, the desire to have more, the willingness to hurt, to kill, to cheat, to steal, to rob so that you can have more. Well, pastor, I would never do that. But how often do we rob our family? How often do we rob God? We rob our time because we want more. It's not that we're in need, it's that we want. So the point being taught here in this lesson that I'm continuing tonight, part two of lesson one on a pure heart. This is dealing with the way that we view money. We must view our money that we understand everything we have belongs to God. Because if it truly belonged to us, we'd be able to take it to the other side with us. Am I right? 
If it was truly ours, we could take it to the other side. But we can't take it with us. You can bury it with you, but it's going to stay in that grave until somebody smarter than you digs it up. So you can't take it with you. So we need it to survive and to live. But we must not fall in love with it to where it begins to control us and allows all sorts of evils that are connected with the idea of falling in love and treasuring money and wealth. You can have money and wealth without it being your God. But we're warned, be careful, because most people can't handle it. Someone said, for every person I know that has been ruined by poverty, hundreds have been ruined by financial gain. We can handle it when we're broke. We can't handle it when we're not. We can fall in love with it so easy. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The second thing that I want to talk to you about tonight, and I'm, I'm doing a little more in-depth. Last week I skimmed some of these things and rushed through to get to the end of my lesson. So I wanted to take the time tonight to dig a little deeper. The second is power. It's power. How does this fit in? Power is authority. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. One of the things that we desire is power. It gives us control. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will fall in love with power. Let me take a journey in life with you. When you're born as a baby and up through reaching adolescent age, how many of you have raised children and know that the, there is a constant battle and it is a power struggle of who is in charge? Who's in charge? I want it. I want it now. No. I want it. No. But I want it now. No. Okay, here. Who's in charge? It is, a, it is a built in. The things we're talking about tonight are things that come naturally because they're part of the flesh. And so it starts out with a power struggle from the time they're little of who's in charge. Until finally they become teenagers and we all know who is in charge then. Until finally they reach young adults. And the issue with teenagers, listen to me closely. I'm walking you through some things that can help you. Don't fall prey to these things. The things with teenagers is they're smarter than their parents. Until they get about 25 or 30 and then all of a sudden their parents get much, much smarter. Y'all need me to preach here for a little while? And there's a power struggle. I want to go here. I want to go with my friends. I want to do this. Why do we do that? And it's a power struggle. It's all about power. It's all about, it's all about power. And then when they become young adults to where they're then living on their own, then it starts being the, the deal of not in my house, then I'll sneak. Power struggle. It's a, it's a struggle for power. It's about who's going to be in charge. 
until finally they take the leap of faith and get their own place and move out on their own. And at that very moment, the parents begin to get a little bit smarter. I never knew that shampoo costs so much money. I think the suave shampoo will do. All of a sudden, the needs change in life. But now they're on their own. I don't need told what to do. I don't need advice. Most conflicts at that point and that juncture in life is connected to power struggles. It's power struggles. Who is going to be in charge? I am in charge of my life. I am grown. I will do what I want. And then we move on toward middle age. And we have good jobs and we have good homes and we have families. And the next thing you know is our striving starts to be, I need that position. Why do I need that position? Because it will make me be in charge. I quit having to answer to everybody else. I need to be the person in charge. I want to be the one in charge. I'm the one that needs to make the decisions. I can make the call. I want the position. And the more we get, the more we want because power is intoxicating. Because if you give in to that baby once, you're going to give in twice. Before long, that baby is running the house. And that baby grows up to be a teenager that tells their parents exactly what they think to a young adult that thinks the world owes them everything because they've always been in charge and now they have to be in charge. And so they quit one job and then to another and then to another until finally they find a place that they can be in charge. And so we spend our whole life fighting for this control and this, I must be the person in charge. It's about power. It's a desire. Particularly, I've got some men in this room. It is a greater battle. It, naturally, it is a greater battle for men than women. Because the Bible tells us that women are the weaker vessel. And the Bible does deal with issues of submission because the man is the stronger and so therefore it is built it is innate in us it is something that is there that we desire that we desire power we don't like being told what to do and so we seek and we seek if we fall in love to, with the intoxication of power we fall in love and we strive for it I've got to be the one in charge I've got to be the one I've got to have the position it happens in all areas of life it happens on the job and it happens in the church I need to be the one that's making the decision I need to be the one making the call I need the one that 
It's a desire for control. It's a desire for power. And the Bible tells us, be careful about this. Love not the world or the things that are in the world. The, the, the power that I'm talking about here is a desire that is connected. It's something that's built inside men. But all of these things are here with us because when you draw that last breath, it doesn't matter what you had behind your name or in front of your name. None of those things are going to matter. When you draw that last breath, you are are no longer in charge. And Danny often tells Pastor Dan, sorry, no disrespect. I like those shoes, by the way. Target? Dollar Tree. They're nice. Thank you. Danny, Pastor Danny tells his dad often, you're just about two more days away from me making some decisions for you. And you're not going to make any more decisions. Just a little bit of humor, but there is a point that you recognize everything that I reached for. I wanted that position. I wanted that. What, what, what did it do in life? Where did it get you? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because all of these things that are in the world are going to pass away. You can't take them with you. So be careful about spending our life. You're going to pedal. You're going to spend your whole life just sitting on 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 the the, the, the little uh, what's the little wheel that the that the mouse run on. The, the, the hamster wheel. You're just going to spend your life running on the hamster wheel of seeking for power, seeking for position, seeking, wanting to be more. Because the third thing that comes out in all of this is individual significance. This is what causes, causes us to fall in love with things. I need to have more than my neighbor. And it starts as a child. Mine... Do I need to walk you through the stages of life again? Because in every stage of life, it is built. It is innate within us. We start, it's mine. Nope, that's mine. Mom, that's mine. I still have one left at home. I don't know if I own any ties in my house. Well, he got a job and started making more money than me, and so now he can have all the nice things. For the longest while, I didn't own anything in the house. I complained all the time. I would go pull out my suit, had my tie wrapped around it, and my tie's gone. And I'd go find Gentry. Hey, Dad. I think the last time he preached here, I'm sitting on the front row and looked up and thought, nice tie. <laughs> if we're not careful, we fall in love with things we're wanting to get, we're wanting to gain, we're wanting to have. And it's not just about money, it's about significance. That's why, see, they're all really looped together. It's about significance. It's about the popularity game. It's about having more than the neighbors. It's about driving a nicer car than anybody else that sits in my row in church. And we start seeking for popularity and fame and significance. And if we're not careful, we get caught up in all of these things. Can I tell you, we have to be careful with these things. If I digress to mention, as we're talking about 
power being one of those things that we desire. Power can be very, very destructive. Authority can be very, very destructive. We see it all around us. Even in our government. Who is in charge and who is in control? This is not a political speech here tonight. But over the last week we have seen companies that have absolutely taken to show who is the most powerful. Am I wrong? It's about power. You think you're wealthy? I'll shut off your Twitter account. You think you're powerful? I'll take away your position. I'm not here to debate what's right and what's wrong with you tonight, but I'm here to tell you that the struggles in life, here's the the issue with power. The more power one gets, the more power one desires. Is it all right for me to talk about the government just for a moment? The more power they get, the more power they want. The more they take from you and the more they control from you, the more they're going to want to take from you and the more they're going to want to control. Because power is evil and it's of the world. Now, here is the thing. We're not of the world. We're of, of a whole different mindset. We don't love the world nor the things that are in the world, so we're not caught up in this. I, I, I just kind of, everybody keeps asking me, did you see this? Have you read this? And I'm, I'm trying my best. I've gotten on social media just for a prayer request so that some of my family and friends know what's going on in, in our life and, and to make posts regarding the church. And I've, I've tried just to stay away from all of it. I've already kind of started my social media fast a little early and just putting those things aside and putting those things out of my life. Because I realize I don't really have the ability to make too much of a difference here. And it's not my calling. God is telling me to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So let me lose the whole idea that I'm, if, 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 if it, this all goes my direction, uh, this may affect my bank account. Well, none of it's mine. It all belongs to him. He's going to give me food and raiment. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else is going to be added unto me. He promised me that. He told me if I'll be faithful in my tithe and offering, that he will, he will destroy the devourer. He will, he will devour the devourer. He'll take it off of me. And the curse is taken off, so I'm going to be blessed. And so it doesn't matter what the world tries to do to me. I'm going to be blessed of God. I'll be blessed going in and blessed going out. doesn't matter who's in the White House. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. I, that's what God tells me. So I'm living blessed. I I just live every day knowing I'm going to be blessed. I don't need the power of this world. I don't need it. I'm not called to be the president. I'm not called to be an activist. I'm not called to those things. I'm not spending my energy and effort in all of those things. What I am called to do is understand and look around me and see the time is very short. There's a lot of people. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am here to tell people about Jesus and get them saved. It's my job. Not in love with the world. Because people that get in love with the world, they sit and post their thumbs tired every day thinking they're making a real difference. But the truth is, all those things are going to pass away. 
I'm not sure heaven really cares who's in charge down here. Because I believe I read somewhere that the man in charge said something along these lines. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not meat and drink, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we've got we've to lose our desire for these things, in individual significance and popularity. We can spend our whole life. We can start them out as babies. Do I need to do this again? We can dress them up and put them in pageants and, oh, they're going to be beauty queens and they're going to be popular and we're going to... And we're going to buy them sports cars. And they're going to have fancier weddings than everybody else. Start saving now, Brother Brandon. It's all tied into this one scripture, this one little passage in 1 John, where the Lord is telling us, get your priorities in order. Get your head out of this world. Take your love away from the things of this world and get them where they need to be. So sin is categorized in these three ways. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, this is all tied into this one passage. This passage is huge. I could really spend a month on it. I'm going to try to get through with this passage tonight so I can pick up on the next passage the next time we come back together in a, in, in a Bible study on this Y series. So I'm going to start out with the first thing, the lust of the flesh. This is the battle that is based on human desires. It's the lust of the flesh. It's human desires. It's based on the animal desires that we have. It's human desires. And in all of these things that we're told that are in the world, it is driven by the lust of the flesh. It is the human desires of what I want to do because it is the things, emotions are attach, attached to them. And so it, it, it strokes our ego. It, it makes us feel good about ourselves because we're looking for the significance and the popularity and the money that drives it and, 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 and the gain and, and, and the importance and, and the power and the authority. And it's all built in the lust of the flesh, but then we can't lose it. We can't, we, we, we don't lose it there, but then it talks about the lust of the eyes. I know the Bible said that the tongue is the most unruly member. And I'm not sure, but I, the Bible doesn't say, but I'm wondering if the eyes aren't a very close second. It's the lust of the eyes. It's what we see. I like those shoes. I need them. Do they have them a little nicer? Can I get a pair a little fancier or a little nicer so I can one-up my brother-in-law? It's the lust of the eye. I saw your house. I'm jealous of it. I need something a little nicer than that house. Brother Scott's a realtor. Brother Scott, I need to know... You know, Brother Brandon's house, I just need one a little nicer than his. No, we may not say it, but it's all built in the lust of the eye. It's the things 
I've seen your car. I want one nicer. I've seen your clothes. I want something nicer. I need, I desire. It's all built in what we are seeing. But the issue is all of those things that you see are also going to pass away. All the things that the flesh desires, at the point you draw your last breath, there will be no more fleshly desires. At the point you draw your last breath, everything that you see with your eyes will no longer last. It's only those that have prepared and made themselves ready for the new Jerusalem that are going to open their eyes on the other side and say, I lived my whole life and I gave up a lot of things, but boy, what I see now on this side. Woo! Because that's where our affections set your affections, this is what it's talking about. Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. Don't be affectionate. Set your affections on things that are above. It's not literally talking about, well, look at the ceiling. Well, look to the sky. It's really talking about the after. It's talking about what happens when we leave this world behind. 70 short years, if you missed if you missed Brother Brandon's message at the youth service two weeks ago, Sunday before last, you need to see if, I, I think they may, have, they may have videoed, may have put it on the, uh, the group page, I'm not sure, but you need to see the closing of it as he comes out and does an illustration for us to be able to see. And he brings a long cable that would wrap halfway around this room. And he's looking at all of that and he said, this is eternity. And he brings out a little bitty thread and he said, this, this is life. And it seems so insignificant, truthfully. What is life? The writer James said, it's but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone. Then why do we spend this short life seeking the things of the world, trying to get everything here? Slow down. Take a little time with your family. You really probably can make prayer meeting. You probably really do have time to make all the services. It's about where your treasure is. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's because you're treasuring the world and the things that are in the world. Love them not. Don't treasure those. Where is my treasure supposed to be? On things above. Put my treasure in the house of God. That's where your heart's going to be, wherever you put your treasure. Because your heart follows your treasure. Your treasure don't follow your heart. If you want your heart to be in the church, put your treasure there. You ever work on a project and you get something built and it's perfect and it's beautiful and it looks great? As the kids run around the church sometimes and put their hands there, Brother Danny turns to me and goes, I'm going to kill them if I see them touching the wall one more time. That's because he was involved painting the walls. He has treasure in it. He put some time in it. And he's thinking, I'm going to have to do that again. It's going to take more time. Because when you put treasure in it, you take ownership of it, and you love it. If everything you do is built around the world, that's where your treasure is going to be. Start putting your treasure in the things of God. 
Start showing up to prayer meetings. Start being involved in everything that's going on. You, wanna, you want to fall in love with God like never before? Fall in love with his bride. Fall in love with his church. Oh, I can be saved without being part of a church. Show me in the Bible whether that's even possible. That is a new age motto that people want to throw around. You have no scripture whatsoever. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we need a pastor and we can't be saved without one. Well, I don't love this church. I don't love my pastor. Well, you need to find one that you love. Because you, and if you want to love it and you don't love it, but you want to love it, start putting some treasure in it and see what happens. Because when you start putting your blood, sweat, tears, and money into it, before long you're going to start loving it. When you start showing up praying for revival, you're going to be as excited as everybody else when one of those babies pray through and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You wonder why people dance and shout when somebody goes down in water baptism because they've got some blood, sweat, and tears in it. They've been here fasting. They've been here praying. They've been at Bible study. They've been working. They've been preparing classrooms. They've been working in the parking lot. They've been ushering. They've been teaching. They've been holding doors open. They got some treasure in it. So they rejoice when a baby's born. And you can sit, well, it doesn't really matter to me if the church grows or not. You don't have any treasure in it. You need to start. You can change that. You don't have to live like that. If you know I'm talking to you tonight, just stop. Start putting some treasure in it. Say, that's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start loving it. I'm going to start putting, I'm gonna, that's where my focus is going to be. No longer going to be on my hobby. No longer going to be on the other things. I'm going to start loving the things of God. I'm going to start treasuring the things of God. I'm going to show up to work day, show up to prayer meeting, get involved in the fast, be part of a Bible study. I'm going to start working in the church. I'm going to start laboring. I'm going to find a ministry I can get hooked up and involved with. I'm going to volunteer for children ministry. I'm going to join the choir. Find somewhere where you can put some treasure. Why are you doing this? Just because I need to put some treasure. I need to invest because pastor said if I'd invest, my heart's going to follow this. My heart hadn't been in it, but I'm going to put some treasure in it. Then I'm going to start following it. And then finally, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Pride of life. That's the third area. I've learned something about pride. I do a little bit of counseling, not a lot. Don't tell anybody. I don't enjoy it. I thought I wanted to be a counselor one time. I started going to school for it. Took a few classes and decided, nah, I'm out. They have a class for fishing. Pride of life. I have never dealt with a conflict that pride is not involved in. As a matter of fact, the wise Solomon talks about it. And he says, without pride, there is no contention. As a matter of fact, in the King James Version, it says something like this. Except by contention. Except by pride cometh contention, I believe is the way it says it. Except by pride cometh contention. What does that mean? I like it my way. It's my reputation. It's my enjoyments. Conflicts in marriages, 
choose to connect with the pride. There's only one way to get over it and get over yourself. Get pride out. Start praying together. Start preferring your spouse. Start preferring your brother. You know how pride gets into the church? It's over who's getting the opportunity. Who gets to preach? Who gets to sing? Who gets to solo? Who gets asked to do it or not asked to do it? It's pride. It's pride. Well, I need to feel this certain, this makes me feel a certain way. Why does it make you feel that way? Because other people look at you and see that you're the person in charge? It's pride. And if we're not careful, we'll get lifted up in pride. And everything that we do starts being about pride. We come, I, I remember, it goes all the way back. I, I remember, I remember in grade school, can we take this journey again? I remember in grade school, it was important who got picked first and who always got picked last. And those who got picked first did not want to play with those who got picked last because you thought you were so much better. I told my wife today, she, she asked me a question about a young lady that I grew up with and went to school with. She asked me about her today. Oh, Lord, we're live. Jesus, I just backed myself in a corner. Let me think of how I can say this now. I like, I like preaching so much better before we were live on the web. So my wife asked me today, and I said, oh, yeah. Went to school with them. They were popular. They were very, very popular. My wife's listening. I thought she was so pretty. I thought she was, wow, all the guys thought, wow. Wow. Everybody wanted to date her. My wife said, who is this? I told her that my wife looked at me kind of funny. Really? I said, I know. Life's been mean to her. <laughs> I remember a day that I thought, oh, oh, if I could just, if she would just say yes to one date. Today I'm like, thank God for unanswered prayers. What was it that I was seeking after? Because all the guys thought she was it. It would make me popular. It was pride. It would have made me popular. Today, probably not so popular. But it would have been a... See, it starts there and it comes all through life with us to where everything is built around pride. I like those shoes. If that compliment next week makes him say, Cheryl, what shoes should I wear so that pastor compliments my shoes? I remember in Bible college, guys talked about ties, neckties. 
and I had never heard it before until I was at Bible college, and it was a statement, and I'd hear it said by many of them, and I thought, how prideful. And I didn't realize, yes, and that was going to be an object lesson 30 years later on a Wednesday night because they would say, yeah, I get a lot of compliments when I wear this tie. That means is, is all the girls compliment my tie. I get a lot of compliments when I wear this tie. I couldn't have then, I probably still couldn't today, but I would like to speak to that spirit and that attitude to say, then don't wear a tie at all. If you're caught up with compliments, it's pride. If you've got to have people patting you on the back and telling you how great you are and how good you are, nothing wrong with a compliment, nothing wrong with somebody saying you look nice, nothing wrong with somebody saying those are really nice shoes, I like them. They are, they genuinely are. Nothing wrong with that. But what's wrong is when we get caught up and we say, ooh, I think I'm going to, I don't really have the money for those shoes, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I think I might get some compliments from Pastor. I'm going to go swipe the credit card and buy some shoes like those or a little nicer than those. And then you come to the front after service to talk to the pastor and you, oh Lord, don't look at these things. They need polished. It's pride. But it's not just there. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because there is an innate desire within each of us to get the recognition. That's what pride really is. It's about getting the recognition, getting the compliments, having the attention turned on us. Paul goes on to tell us how to fix this, these ongoing issues. And I close with Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, he tells us, he said, there's really only one way to resolve these issues of the flesh. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Everything that is caught, the things of the world, there's only one way to deal with them. The Apostle Paul deals with it in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There is a whole lot of this Y series that I'm going to be on for a big part of the first half of this year. On Wednesday nights, we're going to be talking about we're going to be answering a lot of questions of why. And they're going to be caught into this Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. So if you missed last, last week and this week, you may miss a whole lot of things that's going to go on into the future. But this whole idea where the apostle says, I beg you, brethren, I'm begging you by the mercies of God. Because if it wasn't for the mercy of God, I'd just let you go astray and run amok and do whatever you wanted to do. But I beseech you, brethren, I'm calling on you, brethren. Pay attention, brethren, by the mercies of God. You too, sisters. I beseech you, therefore, child of God, by His mercies, that ye present your 
body a living sacrifice. Why? Every word in this text is so important. I don't have time to break it all down for you. Because nobody else can present your body. You've got to present it yourself. You present your body. I wish I had time to teach through this whole thing. Remember when the lepers came to Jesus? Remember what he did? He heals them and he tells them, go show yourself to the priest. It's the only place. Leprosy is a type of sin. They had to go present their body. Leprosy, a type of sin. Leprosy-filled, sin-filled life. Anybody with me here? Present your body. Go show yourself to the priest. And let him declare you clean. The only way you're going to be declared clean is by presenting your body a living sacrifice. Oh, every other sin, they could take a turtle dove, they could take a, a sheep, they could take a bull, they could take an oxen. All these different things, but go present your body living sacrifice no you're the sacrifice nothing else is going to get in the way well I paid my tithe when we stand before him and say well I cast out devils in your name I paid my tithe I went to church I did all these things but did you present your body pastor I just don't understand why I don't understand why that you teach some of the things you teach. I don't understand. We could probably skip over some things in the Bible. Why do you teach holiness and separation from the world? Why do you teach that we go places and don't go places? Why do you teach we dress this way and don't dress this way? Present your body. A living sacrifice. It's hard. Sacrifice. And when you present it, it's got to be holy. Separated from the world. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Why do I live the way I live? Why do I do the things I do? Why do I preach the message I preach and preach with passion and with heart? And I reach to you and I tell you we got to live right. we got to live holy. we got to be godly. we got to be separate. Don't get caught up in, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I wear this? Can I wear that? Should ladies' hair really be long? Should men's hair really be short? Does all that matter? No, when we stand before Him, we're not going to really care who thinks we're cute. We're not going to care who thinks our shoes are awesome. When we stand before Him, it's our body. Living sacrifice. When the priest looks that body over, it's clean. Without spot, without blemish, because no sin's going to enter there. 
He's going to see us through the blood. Oh, Pastor, I don't know if I can live. I don't know if I can live that way. Sure you can. Because when he judges you, he's not going to judge you the way we judge one another because we're hard on one another. He's going to look at us through a veil of the blood and say, you've been blood-bought. You presented your body a living sacrifice. You lived your life getting ready for the day that you departed. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Present your body. I beg you, church, before we ever get in and get deep into this and start talking about why we do this and why we do that, don't forget this moment in this whole huge series that I'm going to be teaching for months. Let's come back right here to this very point. Start realizing it's not too much to ask. David, David said, my ears hast thou opened, and I delight to do thy will. He was referring to a custom of a servant, the slave, if you will, the slave who becomes a willful servant. He's in captivity. He's a servant, not by choice, but he's paying a debt. And then comes the year of Jubilee, and everybody's set free servant has nowhere to go and his master's been good to him and he's treated him well and he's blessed him the servant goes to his master and he goes over to the doorpost and he puts his ear up against the doorpost and the master takes that sharp metal rod and drives it through the ear and he's marked and when somebody comes and sees him and they see the the mark of, the, of that all that went through that ear. They know that servant, that servant's not here because he has to be here. That servant is here because he wants to be here. David said, mine ear hast thou opened and I delight to do thy will. I hope you're getting this tonight. Pastor, why do we do this and why do we do that? Why don't we do this and why don't we do that? I'm going to take you to the book. I'm going to show you why I believe the Bible says that. But before we ever get that, i got to persuade you right here in your heart. Mine ear has thou opened and I delight to do thy will. God, you've been too good to me. You've blessed me too many times. You've kept me in so many ways. I may be giving up some things when I get on the other side. Maybe I didn't have to do that. But I delight to do your will. And I want you to see that I'm presenting.